Uh, well, good morning. My name's Matt. I am one of the pastors here at the church. I get the blessing, the privilege this morning to preach, um, and I am really, really excited to do so. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through the passage for this morning, uh, which is John 1. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. Um, and so if you want to turn there, in the bulletins, it'll tell you what the page number is. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on the chair back in front of you, down underneath. Welcome to take that with you, use it. It tells you what page you can find the verses we're going to be reading on in the bulletin. So John 1, verses 1 through 18. So I want to read that this morning, and then what we're going to do is we're going to pray. Because uh, I want to pray um, that God would preach through me, that we would hear from his word and we would hear from him. But I also want to pray for our team that's in Africa right now. They left uh, Thursday morning, and uh, things are going well. They have their luggage with them, which isn't always the case. It has made it across the, uh, the ocean, and so we're really happy to hear all those things, but we want to pray for them uh, because they are at work doing God's work in a place that is very dark. Um, they're bringing the light of the gospel to a place that has uh, until recently, never even heard the name of Jesus Christ proclaimed. And so um, let's read from his word, let's read about his light, and then let's pray for his light to shine in Africa through our team, okay? John 1, starting in verse 1, says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And this is where it gets Christmas, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's pray. Well, Father, we um, recognize this morning and, and call out to you as the holy God, the creator God through whom all things were made. And we are glad this morning for your word, both the written word that we read in your uh, Bible from the scriptures and the word Jesus Christ who has come and dwelt among us that we might see your glory, that we might know of you and worship you as God. 
I pray this morning for our team that's in Africa, for Seth and Amy and Melissa and James. God, would you put your hand upon them? Holy Spirit, would you empower them and strengthen them today? As they spend time in a season where it's typically with family, away from family, in a place where people don't speak their language, in a place where people do not agree with them on many things. Would you strengthen them and and lift them up this morning? Would you help them to know by your spirit and feel our prayers today, thousands of miles away, feel our prayers for them, our desire for for God's work to, to be done in and through them? And we ask, God, that that the light would shine brightly this week in Senegal. That the good news of Jesus Christ's word would be proclaimed and that the, the reality of his coming and his dying would change hearts. That we would hear of a revival, that we would hear of your spirit at work and moving and that we would hear of souls saved that they would not believe and, and love the darkness anymore, but they would love the light. They would love your son. We ask for that work from you because it must be by you. It must be by your power and your might and your strength that that is done. So would you be in them and encourage them today and do that work among them. And I pray today as we hear from your word that you would challenge us, that we would hear it from you. It would not be our thoughts, our motives, our intentions that would... Um, Skew it, and it would not be my own, but that your word would be spoken and that your glory would be seen. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, uh, I love the Christmas season, and I know this seems like a, a weird passage kind of for Christmas, but, but I, I love this season, right? There's, uh, there's things like Christmas lights everywhere. There's a good list. Streets get backed up as you get to go uh, turn on your radio and watch them flash to the tunes, right? Um, I really enjoy the cold weather. Not built for warm weather. I like it being cold. It's a great thing. I love the snow. And for any who don't, I'm praying that you'll repent. Um, so it's a good thing. I like the snow. I like um, just what the season brings this uh, slowing down, right? Uh, getting to be a part of life and see what's in front of you, to spend time with friends and family, to get some time off work, to truly rest and be present. I appreciate what that brings. And I, um, during this season, you're going to find something out about me. I am a huge nerd. I love puzzles. So this, this season is great for things like that, right? Um, and I'm totally one of those people that will sit in front of a puzzle um, until everybody in my house is asleep. And my wife has asked me why in the world I'm still up doing a puzzle because it's dark and I should be in bed. I like to do puzzles that much. It's dark I don't care anybody else not moving. I get to do that, right? Um, but there's something really frustrating about a puzzle as well. Um, I, maybe, maybe the picture on the front of the box isn't quite big enough to see what we're trying to, to make, right? Or in the last puzzle I did, um, I got a duplicate piece instead of all of the pieces. So I was missing one piece, and I had a duplicate of one that was already in the puzzle. Super frustrating, right? Um, and and you maybe in the, the one little a little piece of a puzzle, if we didn't have that box, you'd see something kind of beautiful and nice. But if we didn't have that picture, if we couldn't see what we were supposed to be putting together, which has happened before, right? It's, it's beautiful, but not as, as pretty as it should be. Because every piece of that puzzle is only magnified in its beauty when it's actually put in part of the whole, right? The puzzle piece wasn't meant to be on its own, but it was meant to be a part of the larger puzzle in which we're putting together. And I think... 
This is where we've come with Christmas today, is that we have all of these pieces, and they're really beautiful, and they're really nice, and they have a lot of really neat things to see on them. But we're missing the whole when we come to Christmas. We're missing the bigger picture when we come to Christmas, a more beautiful picture. It's kind of uh, like the story about the stonecutters. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this story. I believe Peter Drucker is the one that initially wrote it down, but it says this, one day a traveler was walking along a lane and he came across three stonecutters working in a quarry. Each was busy cutting a block of stone. So he's interested to find out what, what they were working on. So he asked the first, first stonecutter what, what he was doing. And the stonecutter says, can't you see? I'm cutting a stone. Obviously, right? So the traveler, still know the wiser, turned to the second stonecutter and asked him what he was doing. And he said, I'm cutting this block of stone to make sure that it's square, that its dimensions are uniform so that it'll fit exactly in its place in a wall. So he's got a little bit more of the picture and a bit closer to finding out what the stonecutters were working on, but was still unclear. So the traveler turned to the third stonecutter. And this stonecutter seemed to be the happiest of the three. And when asked what he was doing, he replied, I am building a cathedral. So as we think about Christmas, we often uh, think about the joy of the season, right? We think of the time with family. We long for time away from work to rest and slow down. We, we look forward to being generous and receiving others' generosity. And we hear things like, remember the reason for the season, right? Speaking of Jesus' birth. And all of these things, they're good things. They're, they're even great things as we think about the birth of Jesus. Those are good things for us to, to think about and to enjoy and to celebrate. But I think in all of these things, we're a little in the dark, like the first two stonecutters. We've only got a piece of what's really going on. We're just getting a piece of the joy. It's not complete. There's a bigger picture on the front of the box for us to see and to rejoice in. There's a cathedral being built. And the word tells us that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone upon which this cathedral, upon which this temple is being built for us to enjoy. And that's, that's my hope today. I long for us to be a people, a church that rejoice in the season and celebrate, but with a fuller, with a greater, with a more beautiful joy than maybe we had before. Because what this holiday reveals to us more than any other thing is this, that our God and his, is here and his work to save us is to bring us to himself, to dwell among us. So, so here's my, my main point for today. It says rejoice this morning. Rejoice as you sing. Rejoice as you celebrate. Rejoice as you do all that you do this season. For Jesus, the light, has come to dwell among us. To be Emmanuel, God with us. That's literally what that means. God living in and among and with us. Right? There might be stories and to, to tell and songs to sing and read about the birth of Jesus. But, but recognize something. That this story, this, this part of the story is just a part of the whole. It's meant to make us look back right over history and see what God has been doing through time. It's meant to make us look forward and hope for something greater that is to come. The incarnation of God in flesh and the person of Jesus Christ isn't something that should give us tunnel vision for this moment, this day, this time alone. 
but should broaden our vision to see the whole scope of the history of God at work, to be in and among and with his people, to be with us. This is, this is why Jesus came, right? He, he didn't just come to, to bring the truth of who God is and, and a revelation of him. He didn't come just to administer grace and mercy. He didn't come just to be an example. He didn't come just to bring salvation. I mean, salvation is a a wonderful, marvelous, awesome thing, but recognize this this morning. Who is a salvation to? Why in the world do we need the mercy and grace of God? Whose wrath is it that is to come? Who's going to come and judge us for our sin, for being in the darkness? Why in the world do we need to be saved if not to God? If not to be with him, to enjoy him, to know him, to live with him? God is the point of Jesus Christ coming as the God-man in this season. He came to bring us life with God, the true and the eternal life. Not one live for ourselves and not one just with family and friends for eternity, but one with God. That's what we have to celebrate this season. That's what we have to rejoice in this Christmas. And that's what my hope is that we'll see in the text today. Because we've studied the last few weeks, right, in Isaiah, in this promising of the coming light, that there would be a light that would dawn over the darkness of this world. Because this world is dark, right? I mean, you just have to go flip on the news and things don't look so pretty all the time. There's chaos. There is war. There's suffering and hardships and trials. There's sexual misconduct and sex slavery and natural disasters and, and racism and murder and hurt and pain. It's, it's all over. And all of this, right, paints a dark picture of our world. And this is a world that we see John introduce us into in these verses. It says that the light is coming into the darkness, right? That's what verse 5 tells us there, that this light is coming into the darkness and that the light was needed to be given to everyone. That's why he had come in verse 9, that, that everyone was in the dark and so the light had to come to everyone. And this darkness, it seems to say there in verse 9, has that wants this power to overcome, to win over everything. But we also see that this darkness is not just outside of us. Right? It's not just something that exists in this world and, and what we see in other people, but it actually exists within us. In fact, this darkness was so strong within people that when the light came, it says there in verses 10 through 11, that we did not know him. That he came to his own, literally translated, that means he came to his home. This is where he desired to be. This is with his people, his image bearers. He came to his home and his own did not receive him. Right? He created them and they didn't receive him. This is what our sin does. This is what the darkness does in us. It rejects God. It rejects our creator. It wants nothing to do with him. It says just a few chapters later in John 3, as he's calling back, I think, to these verses, it says in John 3, starting in verse 19, the light has come, not, or has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. That's talking about us. 
Our hearts are so broken and corrupt that we actually love the darkness. We would prefer that we stay in the dark because in the dark, we can hide. Right? In, in, in the dark, we don't have to own up to the truth and the reality of who we are or where we are or what we've done or, or the truth of who God is and what he says about our sin and, and judging us for the wrongs that we have done. In the dark, I can hide from all of that. In the dark, I can be who I want to be and do what I want to do because nothing I do can be seen by myself or others. I love the dark. We want to stay in the dark. And, and Jesus says that when we live in this darkness, in John 8, 34, he says, when you live this way in sin, you actually become a slave to it. This is what our sin does, right? It, it holds us captive. It makes us blind. It's stronger than us. It's what we desire. It's what we long for. And it's destroying and tearing apart this world. But this, this is why God made flesh is such good news for us this morning. God cannot dwell in the midst of darkness. He must come and bring the light. It says there, read verses 1 through 5 with me. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Where the darkness is too strong for men, where it is something we love that entices us, that tempts us, that we long for, it is not something that will overcome our God and his light. It is not something that is too strong for him to defeat, right? And Jesus, it says, is the word. It's, it's, he's not just with God. It says that he was, in fact, God, this is something to rejoice in this morning. In fact, Jesus being known as the light, which is another terminology that, 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 that uh, John gives to him in these verses, would have been another way that the Jews would have understood who Jesus was as God because that was a, a terminology they used for him in the Old Testament. Right In Psalm 36.9, in referring to God, the psalmist says, For with you, speaking of God, is a fountain of life. In your light we see light. God is this light. Jesus is this light. And now we see Jesus as the light in these verses. In fact, the, the New American Standard translation, I love it, takes that word, the light, that little phrase, and it capitalizes it like a, a title. Jesus isn't just in some phraseology, the light. He is in title and who he is, the, capital T, light, capital L. And he has come into this world. The light shines, it says there in verse 5. And notice it switched from past tense to present tense in verse 5. It says that the, the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is because Jesus wasn't just a man like us. He wasn't just another prophet. He wasn't like John, right? That's what John says there in verses 6 through 8, that he's not like John. John came to actually bear witness about him. He's not another prophet, not another man. He's not just another king. He's not just another warrior. He is more than that. This was, in fact, Jesus was, in fact, God in the flesh, so we rejoice this morning because Jesus the light has come with the power of God to defeat, to win over, to overcome the darkness. 
God cannot dwell with sin and darkness. It must be defeated if he is going to dwell with his people. So it is good news that Jesus wasn't just a man, but that he was God. And he could defeat the darkness. He could defeat the sin. And our love for the darkness, we may never have sought after God or wanted to be exposed by his light. But our God did not take our rejection as a reason to stay far away. He's not a deist type of God who set everything in motion and then left it to do what it's going to do. He is a God that sent his one and only son, the only son from the father, this text says, the true light into the midst of the darkness that it might not overcome. Had Jesus been only a man, he would have loved the darkness as well. This is why it's good news that Jesus was truly God. If he was just a man, not conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, then he stands no chance against sin. It would be like asking me to beat LeBron James in basketball. I got some moves, but they're not good ones, and I would break my ankle, right? It's, there's no chance that, that if Jesus was just a man that he would have defeated the sin, but, but he came in as God, and nothing is stronger than our God. He is the all-powerful God. He came with a strength greater and a light brighter than the darkness and the death of sin. This is why it's good news that Jesus was God in flesh. Brothers and sisters today, if you see the darkness at work in your heart, if you see the, the sin at work in your life, recognize this morning that it cannot and will not be defeated by your own strength. It cannot be defeated by our own power. It's not that we just need to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, figure it out. It's not that we just need to learn more and understand more. It's not that we just need to have a greater amount of self-discipline or willpower. The darkness is stronger than we are. It is stronger than men. We love the darkness. That's how strong it is. It holds us captive. The only way that we are able to see the sin and darkness of this life destroyed and defeated is by the power and the light of Jesus Christ. It isn't even by living like a, a hermit in a cave somewhere. Like all the things of this world can't influence me or impact me if I live there. We're bringing the darkness with us. It's in us. We love it. We need the power of Christ to come into our hearts and expose by his light all of our sin and remove it and destroy it. And finally, in our lives, find freedom and power for our sin to be defeated. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can find that because he's not just a man, but he's God who's come to defeat the darkness. This is good news. But it's even better news because Jesus didn't just come to defeat sin and darkness. He came, as we sang earlier, I don't know if you guys heard this, but he came to dispel the darkness. Literally means he came to remove it to wash it as far as the east is from the west. It isn't just that God wanted the darkness won over. He wanted it gone, right? That he might dwell with us. So we rejoice this morning because Jesus the light has come in the flesh to dispel the darkness. It was not an accident that God sent Jesus as a man in flesh to save us. Jesus came in human flesh as a man, to prove to us that God makes no mistakes. Our God isn't fixing some error that he put into place. God didn't mess it up when he made Adam and Eve and they came and they sinned. 
Jesus didn't come to eradicate the human race. He came to make it new. He came to restore it. He came to redeem it. He came to dispel the darkness out of it. God himself couldn't come and pay the penalty for our sins. Why? Because he wasn't a man and it was man's sin that had brought the death, that had brought the darkness, not God. So man needed to pay this penalty, right? The wage of sin, it says in Romans 6.23, is death. It's what we deserved. It's what was promised to Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned. And God couldn't come and pay that because he wasn't a man. And it couldn't be the blood of animals that eventually atoned for the sin of men because it wasn't the sin of animals that brought God's wrath upon people. It was necessary that Jesus come as a human so that, as Romans 5.12 says, just as sin entered into the world through one man, speaking of Adam, there will be one man through whom righteousness and salvation comes to this world. If Jesus wasn't a man... He couldn't die the death of a man that was meant for those who sin. How could he atone for us and take the full experience of the wrath of God unless Jesus was truly a man? If he wasn't a man, he couldn't be the greater Moses who's come to lead us in an exodus from the tyrannical rule, not of Pharaoh, but of sin and of Satan. As the man, Jesus was the greater prophet who didn't just speak God's word, but was in fact God's word. There has never, ever been a clearer understanding and description of the character and the nature of God than in Jesus Christ. He was the word, God's logical, rational understanding spoken into human existence, himself made in flesh that we might know him and see him to be God. If Jesus wasn't a man, he couldn't be the greater king who will rule over all peoples, nations, tribes, and tongues. As a man, Jesus is the greater high priest who doesn't have to continually make sacrifices for his people, but who is their sacrifice. In becoming man, Jesus was tempted in every way as we are and can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, and yet all of this without sin. Jesus the God-man coming in flesh is verifiable proof that God has no intention of starting over. He didn't just spin the world into existence and want nothing to do with it, and he has not come to get rid of it all and start over, but he is coming to make all things new. He is coming to remove sin and darkness from this world and restore all of creation back to the way it was meant to be. Even more proof. There's a book mentioned right in Revelation. It's called The Book of the Life of the Lamb That Was Slain. And it says that this book is an eternal book. That it was written in before time began with the names of humans, of men and women who would be atoned for. Who would come into the life with God to dwell with him forever the saving of men through the death of this lamb, the lamb Jesus Christ was God's plan, it says, from before the foundation of the world. God has made no mistakes in making us. And he has made no mistake in sending his one and only son in human flesh to live a perfect life and to suffer and die a human's death. This sending of Jesus in the flesh is proof that this was his intention all along. 
It was what he wanted to do from the very beginning. Our holy, all-knowing, all-powerful God is not covering up a mistake. He is perfectly and completely bringing the light of life to men. His intended creation to bear his image upon this world says that the word became flesh there in verse 14 and dwelt among us. This means this Christmas, God's intention is not to take everything you have been given, the gifts, the time with family, the generosity, the vacation, the food, the snow, all the things that come with the season. God's intention this Christmas is not for you to take all of that and throw it away because it's wrong or broken or sinful. That was something that the Gnostics, that John was writing against in this gospel, would have believed that, that all things that were really good would finally be spirit, that there would be no physical, that we would remove flesh from this world and all the things of this world, and we would finally be complete when we were spirit only. But God said, that's totally wrong. I didn't make a mistake in making a physical man in a physical world with things to be enjoyed that would point to me. It's not meant to be getting got rid of so that you can't see anything but him, but to see him in everything. The intent is for us as human beings who now bear the image of God and the spirit and the power of God to take all the things that we have been given in this world, the gifts that we've been given, and recognize them to be a small taste of the gift we've been given in Jesus Christ, a life with God, what is to come in the life with him when he's going to make all things new. The time with family is meant to be redeemed and restored to be a time to talk about the work of Jesus Christ in our life and in our hearts and what he's doing in and among us. The generosity we get to give to others is just a small taste. It's an extension of God's arm through us because he's been incredibly, eternally generous to us in Jesus Christ. Now we get to extend a part of that grace and that power and his kingdom at work into this world by being generous to others. The intent was not for God to get rid of everything, but to make all things new. And you and I now, with the power of God, the spirit of God can come into this world and restore and redeem all things for that purpose. There's so much more to be had in this Christmas season. Like the stonecutters, there's more that we're meant to enjoy than just making a stone by, by giving a present. We're meant to see and understand the gift and the grace and the glory of God in all the things that we do. In all the things that we have in all the things around us. Because this is what he's coming to do. He hasn't come to remove all things that are in darkness, but to remove and dispel the darkness and the sin from this flesh, from this world, from all things and make them new. It is a good thing, a thing to rejoice in that Jesus wasn't just God, but that he was man. There's something to hope for. He's atoned for our sins as only a man can. He's given us a purpose in this world, a physical, real, tangible world that only a human man can. And lastly, this morning, we rejoice because Jesus' light and life are ours through faith. This life, this light, all that has come into this world, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, the light bearing itself into the darkness wasn't meant to just be seen and experienced all around us, but in and through us, right? It says there in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, this is speaking of the word of Jesus, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, 
in all that he stood for and all that he came to do, he, Jesus, gave the right. Another word for that is authority. He gave the authority, the right to become the children of God. But, but how is this? We love the darkness rather than the light. How is it that you and I, who believe this morning in the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ, how have we been freed from this power, from its captivity, this thing in which we were enslaved to, this darkness that is wanting to overcome? How is it that we believe? It says there in verse 14 at the end. It's right here. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It continues in verse 16. It says, from his fullness, from Jesus' fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's not because we figured it out on our own. It's not because we worked hard enough or even because God decided to just overlook our sin and the darkness in this world. It's because Jesus Christ, the word, our light, came with truth and with grace. It is from Jesus, the word of God, that we know the truth of God's holiness and his judgment upon sin. Just look to the cross. Do you want to know what your sin, what the darkness will bring? You only need to look to the cross. It's not just that Jesus was punished and shamed and mocked, beaten and hung upon a cross to die as horrific and horrible and terrible as all of that is. But in the heart-wrenching moments before Jesus said into your hand, I commit my spirit, he cries this out to his God, his Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's intention from the beginning of time was to dwell with man to be with us. And he had perfectly been with his son all the way up to that moment. But in this moment, he leaves him. You want to know the truth about who we are in the darkness and in our sin, what it brings? It brings the worst of deaths. It brings the greatest of pains. And it, it shows us in, in, in the completion and our separation from the relationship, the joy, the love we were meant to experience in dwelling with God, our Father, for all time. It's not that he's not there anymore. It's not that Satan rules over hell. God rules over hell. But in the place of his love and his grace and his kindness and his mercy towards us, instead all we know in that place is the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, of his hatred of his wrath, of his judgment. That is what's present. That's the truth. The truth is, is that the darkness is bringing that. The darkness deserves that. It deserves our cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it didn't come with just, Jesus didn't come with just truth. He came with grace. Truth and grace. In the coming of Jesus Christ, we see the truth of God's love, that he has such a love for his people, that he would send both the law, that we might know how we are to live, to know that we can't live up to it, and he would send his grace, 
this unmerited, undeserved favor, this, this gift to us to empower us and strengthen us. The coming of Jesus as both God and man is the fullness of the display of the grace of God as it did not just give us a way to come to God, but it's God himself coming to us. We couldn't do it on our own. He didn't leave us to figure it out in the darkness. He didn't leave us with just the law and a religion where we must work and earn our way to him. But he came to us. He did the work for us. No other God, no other religion has any claim like this. That our God came to creation, took upon himself weakness, took upon himself pain and suffering that he might be with us to do the work that we couldn't do that we might be with him. That's what God did. It's an incredible thing to consider this morning. God didn't leave it for us to figure out and get it done because we couldn't. That's proof. We love the darkness rather than the light. He came to us that he might defeat the darkness, that he might dispel the darkness, that he might shine the light into each and every one of our hearts, that we might have the light of life. And it says, and to all who believe in this, the word, right? This word that was both God and man, that all things were created through, this word will work a new creation now in us if we just believe. And where God spoke light to existence in the beginning, he desires by his word to come and create a new beginning, a new life in you by shining his light, the, the light of Jesus Christ and his glory upon your heart. He does this work. Verse 13, who were born, these who believed, gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, who were born, not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not because we figured it out, but because God has come. What grace is this? It says, grace upon grace. We had rejected the light. We loved the darkness. We did not want to know our creator, but God. See that over and over again in scripture. This is who we are, but God, right? In his grace and his truth came anyways. He came to bring us light and life by being light and life. All we have to do is believe. We have to extend this faith, this helplessness to our God and ask him to save us, to give us of himself, to bring us to him. That's all he asks of us. But the question I have for us this morning is, do you want him or do you just want all of his blessings? Do you want all the things that the light brings? Do we like all of the, uh, the freedom from our, our guilt? Do we like not having to worry about uh, being safe? Do we like all the ideas that come from the blessings of the light? Or do we love the light itself? Is Jesus just another Santa Claus for us? Who, because we've done all the things that we were supposed to do, we prayed the prayer we were supposed to pray, we live in a way that God wants us to live. Have we done all those things just so he'll give us the blessings? He'll give us the gifts? He'll give us all the things we really want. Is he just another Santa Claus, a figurehead for us to get the things we want? Or is he himself, God among us, the one that we want this morning? This is the question that's, that's really at hand here at Christmas because there's something hidden here in the English that would, we would totally miss 
if there weren't people smarter than me who knew how to translate Greek. Right? It says there in verse 14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And to a Jewish audience, that word dwelt would have meant something totally different because that word there actually translated is tabernacled. That was the way they would have read and understood that, that that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So this is why it gives us a view of history because in the, the Old Testament, God's people, Israel, wandered in the desert, right? God had saved them from Egypt. He had brought them from the rule of Pharaoh into the desert and they had to wander for 40 years as he was bringing them to the promised land. And as he did that, the way that God was known and worshipped that he commanded that it was done was in the tabernacle. It was this really huge, ornate, big tent, right, that they carried with them and that the Ark of the Covenant dwelt within. And and it was here in the tabernacle, above the Ark of the Covenant, in the mercy seat, that the power and the presence of God was in and among his people. But John says in verse 14 here that in the coming of Jesus, God no longer dwells within a tent. He no longer has need of a high priest to come and make atonement for his people and enter into the Holy of Holies that he might make sacrifice for our sin. And it's no longer the high priest only that gets to enter into the presence of God. In the coming of Jesus, the true intent of God's plan throughout human history is revealed. God himself will and wants to to dwell with us, to be in and among us. He has, and it always has been and always will be his plan, right? We see in Adam and Eve that God walked with them in the cool of the garden. He dwelt with them. And then we see again in the the people of Israel as they walked in the desert, we see that he tabernacled among them, that he dwelt in the power in his presence. And and the command was that that tent would be in the center of the camp, that he would be right smack dab in the middle of his people. His power and his presence would be there. And when Jerusalem was taken and God's people lived and dwelt there, there was a temple that sat upon the pinnacle of the city where God's presence would be known and seen for everyone, would be in and among his people. And what we see here in the coming of Jesus is that God has wanted to and is going to dwell with man by becoming a man. Right? Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. Jesus, the word, has made him known. You want to know what God is up to? You You want to know what to hope for? You want to know what God was up to way back in the Old Testament? It's always been this. God has made, made himself known through Jesus Christ. He has come to dwell in and among and with his people. This is what makes Christmas so much more amazing than we tend to see it. So much bigger and grander than this moment of Jesus coming as a baby to be born and, and, and laid in a manger. It's not just that God has given us this great season to celebrate the birth of his son. It's not just that his son, Jesus, has come to defeat sin and to remove the darkness. It's that through the incarnation, through God being made flesh, Jesus has come to make the Father known to us by coming as God in flesh to dwell among us. And this is a promise and the fulfillment of the gospel as well. This is what we have to look forward to and rejoice in when Jesus comes again. He came 
and he initiated the kingdom and he started to shine light into this world, into the darkness. But there is a day coming when the light will defeat ultimately the darkness, when the light will dispel all darkness for all of eternity. And it says in Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And it says just a few verses later, you want to know how this is? Because the lamb sits in the center of the city and there's no need for the sun, no need for the moon because his glory has shined so brightly that there is no longer any darkness in this world. Neither is there death, nor weeping, nor pain anymore. For those are former things and God has come to make all things new. He has completed the work that he promised to do, to dwell with and among his people. This is the good news of Christmas. Not just that God has come to save us from our sin, but that God has come to dwell with us. Brothers and sisters, we rejoice this morning for Jesus alight. Our God made flesh has come to dwell among us. And we have seen God's glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he promises, promises, that while the darkness is still present today, verse 5, the light shines into the darkness, and it has not, and it will not overcome. The light has come into this world, brothers and sisters. We get to rejoice in the good news that God has come to dwell among us. Would you rejoice in that today? Would you rejoice in that this season? Not in the things not in just the birth of Jesus, but the coming of God to be with us. Let's pray. Father God, we um, are amazed at what you have been at work doing. We are amazed and astounded and full of joy that you don't desire to stay far away from us, that you don't desire to just be done with us, but you desire to dwell in and among us so much so that you would send Jesus Christ, your son in flesh, to defeat the darkness, to dispel the darkness, and to dwell with us. How incredible, how amazing, how awesome this is, God. Would we not let the things of this season distract us from seeing you in the things this season? Would you let us, God, be focused upon you, thinking about you, enjoying you, rejoicing in you always. And I pray this all in the powerful, the sin-defeating, darkness-dispelling name of Jesus Christ. Amen.